now listening to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. I am Alex Shane here with you on this glorious Christmas Eve morning with my good buddy Rich Hill celebrating the early Christmas gift we all wanted, a Patriots AFC East Division Championship. Pastor got the Buffalo Bills 24-17. Life is good, Rich Hill. Oh, absolutely. And you know what? It finally feels like football season because for the longest time, if you've been listening to this podcast all season long, you'll you'll know my sentiments on it. This has been a pretty boring season. The the Patriots have had a pretty lousy <laughs> schedule and they've been playing some pretty easy teams. They've been beating those easy teams. They've played some good teams. They've lost to those good teams in pretty unconvincing fashion. And this was probably the first time all year that the Patriots played a good team and they won it in a nice way. You know, I'm not talking about like a 16 to 10 victory against the Bills back in week four where the Bills turned the ball over four times. This was just a hard fought victory by the Patriots where they played well on all facets of the game. And Alec, I I have more confidence right now in this Patriots team than I have at any other point in the year. No, it's true, man. I feel like they're kind of rounding into shape a little bit. They're doing exactly what they did last year, and they look very similar to how they looked last year around this time. Uh, we're going to get to that Bills game and much more this this morning, but first I want to go around the league a little bit, Rich, because unfortunately for the Patriots, as has been the case for New England, I feel like in Decembers of years past, they did not get any help in terms of teams they needed to lose. The Baltimore Ravens locked up the one seed with their victory. The Chiefs kept themselves right in the race for that two seed with their victory, making next games uh, against Miami a must-win. Uh, any games around the league you particularly want to talk about before we get into Buffalo Bills? Oh, man, there's a few games I want to talk about. I want to talk a little bit about the Oakland Raiders' path to the playoffs, which has you know gone swimmingly for them. But prior to that, there there are three games that I think are worth noting, just for their excitement that, you know, I'm very happy we got to see it. Uh, first one was on a Saturday night game. It was the 49ers at home against the Rams, where uh, Jimmy Garoppolo pulled out some magic, helped lead the, the 49ers to victory, 34-31 over the, the Los Angeles Rams in the closing seconds. So Robbie Gould managed to, to kick that field goal through. So happy to see Jimmy Garoppolo keeping the 49ers on pace in the NFC, especially because, uh, you know, the, the Seattle Seahawks uh, were not able to, to do that. They lost to the Arizona Cardinals 27-13, falling to 11-4. So the 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo are now back atop the NFC West. So that's great for them. Uh, but two other games of most excitement. The New York Giants over Washington, 41-35, to winning yeah. in overtime. Washington mounted a furious comeback, scoring 14 points in the fourth quarter, all to see it slip away. Saquon Barkley had a monster day. Uh, still don't think that was the smartest pick uh, for a running back that early on in the draft, but it's undeniable that he is one of the top running backs in the entire league. But the game, Alec, that we should absolutely talk about more in depth, and this was your game of the century. The Cincinnati Bengals on the road against the Miami <laughs> Dolphins. What happened in that game? I don't know, man. And I feel like we, like I feel like I've been harping on this game since like the schedule first came out, and like when we realized the Dolphins were tanking in September. I have had this game circled on my calendar, and I was so hoping, man, that it was going to be the game that would determine who got the number one overall pick. And a team that won lost because they lost that on that number one overall pick. So each team was trying to lose actively, and each fan base was actively rooting against each other. 
Unfortunately, that didn't quite work out. But holy crap, what a game. Bengals scored 16 points in like 30 seconds, went down to overtime. Are the Dolphins kind of good, or is it just kind of like two really bad teams? What's going on with these two guys? Because I could not get enough. Well, okay, so this this Bengals team is not good. We can say that pretty authoritatively. But right. this Dolphins team isn't bad. I mean, they've won 50% of their last eight games. They are 4-4 four and four over their last eight with victories over teams on, like, on the road against the Colts. They beat the Eagles at home. You know, the Eagles are top of the NFC East. So this is not a great or a consistent Dolphins team, but they're not terrible at this point in time. Uh, if you look through their whole schedule, they lost to Washington uh, back in Week 6. 17-16. They lost to the Jets from week 14 based off of just missed field goals left and right. They lost that one 22-21. This is a Dolphins team that could just as easily be 6-9 and nine right now. Uh, Brian Flores has them playing well enough. They're not an elite team by any means. They're still a terrible defense, so hopefully New England will be able to keep their game on roll, but Having Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback, it gives them the opportunity to have that boom-bust day that they might not otherwise have with anyone else at quarterback. You know, he can launch for four touchdowns against anybody. He can also throw five interceptions against anyone. And so he just so happened to have a good game against the, the Cincinnati Bengals. It paid off for them. Um, but yeah, this, this is a Dolphins team that I feel like is set up well to start competing, maybe not next year, but two years down the line. And Brian Flores has, has a really good roster build on his hands. No, it's true. I feel like we're very close to the AFC East being a really competitive division. I mean, despite the fact that it already kind of has been, there have been two teams in that division that have gone to the playoffs, what, three of the last four years? Yep. But um, if you look at the Bills and the Dolphins and the direction they're trending, this could be a really brutal division in a couple of years. And the Patriots' schedule already looks brutal as it is next year. Obviously, I can change between now and then. We're not going to talk about that now because it's this season still. But, yeah, good for Flores. And I'm excited to see what they can bring to the table in the coming years and weeks and months. And um, I just wish that game would have been for the one overall pick. And the oh. Dolphins fans are rooting for the Bengals. And the Bengals fans are rooting for the Dolphins. And, the, 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 like, the Bengals had to go for two. And, like, they, I don't know. <laughs> There's a lot of storylines that left on the table because of the draft pick status. But congrats to the Bengals for making the number one overall pick. And congrats to the Patriots for beating the Bills 24-17 in a game that had me a little worried, Rich. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I was never really in the point where I thought the Patriots were going to lose. But when Stephon Gilmore gave up his first touchdown of the year and Josh Allen was throwing bombs down the field and the Patriots were had that fumble on the Rex Burkhead screen, there were some things that basically were those that scenario where the couple of bounces didn't quite go New England's way. And I cannot remember the last time the Bills were in Gillette with a chance to tie the game late. So good for them. Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, there were certain points where I was just like, man, this, this Bill's offense is atrocious. Like, they can't do anything. They can't have any consistency. But then they would, like, drop that beautiful 33-yard pass to Dawson Knox. And then Josh Allen had that gorgeous 53-yard touchdown pass to John Brown. And there were probably, I would say, three plays, maybe, that Josh Allen made over the course of the entire game. Couldn't have been more than three. But there were like three passes that you're like, man, could they pull this off? Because the Patriots offense, they led some pretty long and extended drives. You got to give them a lot of credit for that. They did it throughout the game, had scores in the first, second, third and fourth quarters. They had multiple scoring drives of, you know, 70 plus yards. So they did a great job against an incredible defense of the Buffalo Bills. But one of the ways to beat the Patriots is just have those fluky little plays. And the Bills had those in spades. And so, Alec, if you're looking at this Bills team, how they played the Patriots, 
Uh, they had that touchdown right before the half. They went 59 yards. That was pretty incredible. 59 yards uh, within 33 seconds. They scored that touchdown to Deion Dawkins, their left tackle, who leaked out. And then they also had that 53-yard touchdown to John Brown. Is this sustainable? Like, what what is going on with these teams finding a way to score against the Patriots? Yeah, it's weird. I feel like if you were to go back and, and listen to a podcast that we did in, say, late September, early October, I think you'd hear us both talking about how there have been a couple scenarios against even the bad teams like Washington or the, or the Giants where big plays that there are guys open down the sideline and the quarterbacks overthrew them or went out of bounds. This team's been getting burned deep on more than one occasion. You've seen it all throughout the season. Uh, I, I just don't know exactly what it is, maybe because they're very aggressive defensively. They show a lot of zero blitz at the line and then adjust to the last second, and they rely on the passers to get there, and they figure maybe the secondary could be more aggressive in trying to ball hawk because they figure the pass rush will get there in time. But the Patriots have been burned deep on multiple occasions this year. It happened twice, like you said, against the Bills. Uh, it happened against the, the Washington Redskins. They had a big play. So it's it's a concern, has been one. Now, the good thing is, basically, if you take away – that big play before the half in which that was more or less a mistake by Muhammad Sanu for blowing the block that would have sprung to kill Harry. And then that was like a little busted coverage on the, on the Brown touchdown. That's kind of all the bills had all, all, all game long. And they call Beasley who I just love. They couldn't stop Cole Beasley. He had 108 yards, I believe on seven catches. He was just a monster, but that's all sustainable damage. It's more like giving up these big plays. And if it's a scenario where, the Patriots give up one or two big plays a game, but they hold the defense to this hold the offense, excuse me, to nothing throughout that. If the offense can keep playing the way it played on Saturday, I'm not worried about it. Yeah, I mean, this was the you know enough good plays. There, there will be much better offenses that come to play New England. I mean, the Bills at this current point in time have the worst offense in the AFC playoff picture, right? I mean, you have Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. They have one of the best offenses in NFL history. You have Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, who they are not as scoring as much as they were last year, but they still remain one of the top offenses in the entire league. Uh, then you have the Houston Texans, who clearly show that they can beat the Patriots and, uh, you know, whatever happens after the Bills uh, with that, that final playoff spot. Uh, th- this is uh, going to be pretty difficult. I mean, the, the Patriots cannot afford to have those sort of mental errors against other teams unfortunately i i think that there it's not something that you can really worry too much about because that's part of the style of defense is when you play that tight man coverage it leaves the opportunity for you to be burned deep because you're playing in a position where maybe you'll be able to force a turnover you're going to force the quarterback to hold on to the ball a little bit longer make a bad decision so this is just the style of play that the patriots have made Give credit to these NFL-level players of the Buffalo Bills that they made plays when they did. Um, but ultimately, I was very happy with some of the progress that we saw from the Patriots because, most importantly in my mind, they did well against the run. They did a very good job against the run. Uh, this is the first time, I believe, in Frank Gore's entire career that he didn't have a carry. There's something preposterous like that. And they held Devin Singletary, who I think is a very, very talented young rookie running back who has a bright future. They held him to 46 yards on 15 carries. That is a great job by the Patriots' defensive line up front. That was something that raised some flags in recent weeks where opposing teams were able to run successfully against the Patriots, but New England did a good job of making sure that the Bills were not able to lead any sustained drives on the ground. And you got to give credit where it's due. Uh, Lawrence Guy, definitely one of the unsung yeah. heroes of the Patriots this year. 
Totally. He had a he had probably one of his best games of the season, if not his best game of the season. Uh, I still have that that close line block or a close line tackle he made on Singletary, where he was more or less his block. He had his he couldn't shed his block, but and Singletary tried to cut back and he just like wrestling style clotheslined him. It was awesome. Now to your point, Rich, do you think it's a a change in scheme for the Patriots? They've been a little more focused on the run and the scenario where the Bills receivers aren't as good as other receivers, so you can kind of leave uh, defenders on an island against them and, and clog the middle more? Or is it guys just stepping up and playing better that led to the Patriots stopping the run on Saturday? Yeah, I definitely think it's a little bit of both. They were doing The Patriots defenders are doing a better job wrapping up uh, the running backs, the ball carriers, making sure that they did not have that second effort that we've seen from other teams. But, is, I mean, it's exactly right. This Bills team is not built to have a potent passing attack outside of John Brown. They don't really have anyone. Uh, you know, I thought Cole Beasley did a good job, but he got over half of his yards on that final drive. So th- this is a Bills team where if you can slow John Brown, and that's what the Patriots did for most of the game, they put Gilmore and McCourty on him. If you can slow down John Brown, they're not going to have too much of a passing attack, and as a result, you can dedicate more of your defensive resources to stopping the run, and that's exactly what they wanted to do. They didn't want to allow Josh Allen to have too much room and space to scramble. He still had some success out there, but ultimately he wasn't as, as great as he had been in the past. He wasn't able to make as much with his legs. He still did some. That that fourth down conversion, we did a little hop, bump, jump, whatever that was to get over that fourth down line. That was incredible. That was just great athleticism on his part. But I mean, I I think that the Patriots have realized that uh, we're not going to be able to do everything on defense. They are a great and talented defense. They don't have the benefit of having a big lead like they were in much of the earlier parts of the season where they could sit back and attack the passing routes. But they have the talent and ability to say, we're going to dedicate our resources to stopping the run because that is what the Bills offense is. And they're able to go out and execute it. And so other than a few busted plays, I think they were successful for the entire day. And the good news, Rich, is perhaps, perhaps, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but they may not need to be a perfect defense because maybe the offense has finally found its groove. Again, I don't want to jump to conclusions here, but again, we talked early in the podcast, there are some parallels between this season and last season. The Bills are a very good defense with a very stout run defense. The Patriots had 143 yards rushing, which is pretty incredible. And if Sony Michelle hadn't gotten stopped in the background, a backfield from a block, he would have had a 100 yard day. Uh, I loved what I saw from them. I thought the blocking was solid. I was incredibly impressed with Marshall Newhouse, who came in in right tackle and reserve oh, yeah. duty. Never thought I'd say that. Uh, I think that Nikhil Harry had a great day. I think that it was an overall might have been their best offensive performance of the season. And I know it's the Bills and it's at home and it's you can't take too much away from one game. But if they can just play, honestly, I think the Patriots can just play like they played on Saturday and the defense keep doing what the defense does. I will put the Patriots up against any team in the AFC playoff picture right now. Oh, totally. I, I totally agree with that because so much of what the Patriots are able to accomplish against the Bills are things that they'll be able to do against other teams. They'll be able to do because the Bills have the best defense that they'll see in the playoffs. You know, I, I mentioned that they had the worst offense. They also have the best opposing defense. I, I think that the Ravens are a little bit behind them, but they're still very talented. But the Bills defense head and shoulders are above most other defenses in the entire league. Uh, for my money, it goes Patriots, 49ers, Bills. And if you look over the past, you know, two, three years under Sean McDermott, Bills have a top two defensive unit 
in the entire league. They're they're great. They've been successful. And so if the Patriots showed that they were able to succeed against this defense, I think that they should be able to figure out a way to succeed against other teams. And if if not for like a few penalties here and there, you know, you had that Rex Burkhead fumble early on shore, but you also had, uh, you know, an offensive pass interference call against Julian Edelman that wiped out a 33 yard touchdown pass to, to Ben Watson. You had, uh, you know, another offensive pass interference call against Ben Watson that kind of stopped another drive that the Patriots had in the third. And then it just felt like there were repeated penalty after penalty that set New England back. So they weren't able to score touchdowns as well as they would have liked. Um, but if the Patriots can continue to get Nikhil Harry involved, and they certainly seem to be, they've been finding creative ways to get him the football. I expect that the Patriots will start paying dividends in the postseason, in the red zone, where they will be able to finish their drives. Because I really like, and the most promising thing I took away from this game, was the creativity from Josh McDaniels. That was not something that we've been seeing in recent weeks. That was not something that we had when the Patriots' offensive skill players were entirely limited to just Julian Edelman and no one else. But we're seeing a lot of two-back sets with James White and Rex Burkhead. I like that. I think it gets them the ball in space. They are productive ball carriers for the Patriots but then you're also seeing Edelman's continuing to produce hopefully he'll be fully healthy in time for the postseason push Nikhil Harry looks better each and every week I really love how he looks in the open field, and so they'll continue to get him the football. Big question with Mohamed Sanu. I don't know if I've seen much progress out of him, but honestly, I think his his value will come next year more so than this one. But I, I think that everything that we saw from the Patriots this week against the Buffalo Bills is just a great, great sign for things to come. I hope you're right about Sanu, man, because... Don't I can't figure him out to save my life. Belichick's been after him, I feel like, for five or six years, since his time with the Bengals. They tried to train for him a couple times with the Falcons. The Falcons didn't want to move him. I, we've seen this in the past with receivers. They come in, and they just can't get on the same page as Tom Brady. They can't quite pick up the offense. I mean, Sanu is great at punt returns. He makes fair catches, I suppose. He's got that going for him. But I feel like every time Sanu sits down at the hole in the zone, he's either just short of the sticks or he's maybe a yard too far to the left where he needs to be. He breaks out of his routes early. He's always reaching for passes. Like I said earlier, he had a block. He could have blocked uh, for Nikhil Harry on a fourth down conversion. He would have sprung for at least 10 to 15 yards. That was basically a, a potential 10-point swing there. But you're confident that maybe not this year because it takes a while to come in midseason and, and pick up this offense. But you feel that with a full offseason under Tom Brady and Belichick, he will be worth the second-round pick they paid for him? Oh, that's a big claim. I never thought that he would be worth a second-round pick from the the initial day. Uh, I, I think that he will be good. I think that he will be somewhere in like the Brandon LaFell to Chris Hogan range of a receiver for the Patriots, which in my mind is definitely not worth a second-round pick. But the, I think that he will be better <laughs> next year than he has been this year because it is a tough offense to pick up. It is something that he's been thrown into in the middle of the season, and it's something that they've been playing with him with injuries. So he's had a lot going against him and uh, you know he is not going to be that 10 target type of guy at this point he's not we haven't seen that from him I know that they gave it to him one game but he's not that type of a player from a success standpoint and honestly I feel more uh, intrigued by Jacoby Myers over Mohamed Sanu I think uh, Myers rises to the occasion other than like that one game where he had a bunch of drops I think it was against the Texans other than that he always steps up when his number is called I think that uh, the disappearance of Philip Dorsett is something that needs to be monitored because Dorsett has done nothing I mean he, he hasn't had a catch in three games and he hasn't really played the past two weeks and so 
bringing him back as a potential deep threat is worth monitoring once the offensive line continues to settle down. There are just still so many moving pieces in this Patriots passing game. The tight ends were getting slightly more involved this week than they had been in recent times. I think that Josh McDaniels, you know, <laughs> whatever the reason is, it's taken until week 16, week 17 to get a full grasp of who is available on this Patriots offense and who can be expected and counted upon in certain scenarios. And he's getting that idea at this point maybe they don't want to put anything on tape in the regular season but I think we're at that point where we know exactly who it is on the Patriots that they can count upon and I don't believe Sanu has made any sort of distance that they can count on him above and beyond the Nikhil Harry and Jacoby Myers of the world yeah no it's probably right but I I just wonder because Belichick loves him so much that's something you missed that I, I didn't quite see uh, Rich, do you think this all comes from this this opening up the offense, the creativity, from the ability to run the ball well, or is there more going on here? Oh, absolutely. I think having sort of any semblance of consistency on the ground uh, is beneficial. I'm not saying that like that you need the run to open up the pass, but you need to have some sort of complementary game where the opposing team can't just tee off on, well, Brady's going to pass the ball, Brady's going to pass the ball, and like we can, only, we can use just three people to stop the run, which is something that we've seen in the past, is that when you're down to your third string center and your fourth string tackle and your other players are injured, that the opposing team doesn't really have to worry about your rushing attack. But having plus runs from your your backfield, seeing Rex Burkhead and Sonny Michelle doing such a good job on the ground forces uh, opposing teams to say, all right, well, we can't just drop six players back because these running backs are able to get to the second field and so or get to the second level. And uh, it's maybe a chicken or egg sort of situation here. We're seeing a little bit more consistency out of the passing game, a little bit more creativity to get players out in space. And so that could be opening up rushing lanes for uh, the running backs to take advantage of. And you create that positive spiral of, you know, this works, that works, this works, and that works. I think that the return of Isaiah Wynn and also the return of Ted Karras has really changed the complexion of this offense. I I know that a few podcasts back, Alec, we talked about will Isaiah Wynn be the full savior of this offense. I don't think so. I think that we've seen Nikhil Harry emerge. We've seen Sonny Michel start running harder than he was earlier in the year. But we can't undersell the value that Isaiah Wynn's return has had for the offense because, I mean, they have looked so much better since he's returned. No, they definitely have, and it really does start up front. I mean, yeah, it, it seems to me like Marshall Newhouse is a natural right tackle who was forced to play left tackle, and that's a very difficult switch. It may seem easy on paper to go from one side to the other, but it's basically doing everything in reverse, not up to it. Uh, and when Marcus Cannon went down, he was fantastic, and so it's good to know that he's there should there be another injury because I, I actually rely on him as, as a right tackle, but I think Wynn's been great. I think Michelle, who people – I don't know why. People just love to harp on Sony Michelle as this epic first-round bust. And I don't know where that came from. He runs hard when he has to. He runs hard when he needs to. I think him and Rick Burkhead represent a really, really solid and unique and, I guess, diverse, for lack of a better term, backfield in that Burkhead's probably the better all-around back in terms of receiving ability and, and running ability. But I think there's a lot of weapons in this backfield, and I love that that two-back set that McDaniels displayed with basically every possible running back combination – Bolden, White, Burkhead, Michelle saw the field in some capacity, and maybe we should close this out by giving some credit to fullback extraordinaire Alandon Roberts, who oh, yeah. is really coming into his own as a player. I think it's just a matter of time before he catches his first pass. I think it's happening this playoffs. Mark it here. You heard it here first. A fullback kind of like out, <laughs> fade, oh, like a flat route for Alandon Roberts, but he is plowing guys over. 
If you saw last playoff, Sony Michelle ran the ball best behind James Devlin. I feel like Michelle and, and Roberts are kind of developing some rapport now. So if they can keep blocking the way they are and Elaine and Roberts can, in his terms, keep running MFers over, then I think they're in really, really good shape. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And I, I want to say Elaine uh, Roberts has been such a good captain for this team, showing his value in all three facets of the game. He's playing more special teams than he has at any other point in his career. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots found a way to extend him on a you know a cheapish contract, but he's just showing a lot of value for this team. And also, you mentioned that there's a pass coming down the way for Landon Roberts. I'm going to uh, one-up that one. I think the pass is going to come from Mohamed Sanu. There is that one wild oh, wow. play that didn't happen uh, down by the, the goal line. And I think they're setting something up. I, I, they motion Mohamed Sanu into the backfield. Tom Brady just moved out of the way. And I wouldn't be surprised if they had, what is that, that wishbone sort of style, or they'll just have also, uh, they'll, have, they'll motion Sanu back into the backfield. Landon Roberts will act like he's a lead blocker for Sony Michelle. Then Sanu will just loft that pass to Roberts in the front corner of the end zone, Mike Vrabel style. It'll be gorgeous. Maybe it'll be against the Tennessee Titans in the, the divisional round of the playoffs. We have a lot left to see. But Alec, I mean, this has been, a, you know, a very enjoyable podcast because I've loved how the Patriots played the Buffalo Bills. This was the most enjoyable game of the season for me, and that makes this podcast fun for me. So in the holiday spirits, Alec, uh, happy holidays, happy Christmas Eve. Do you have any final thoughts? Yeah, this is a, a really enjoyable time for all of us. Hopefully you're all out there. It's a time with friends and family. Happy Hanukkah to those celebrating. Merry Christmas to those celebrating. Happy Festivus for the rest of us, for those who observe <laughs> Festivus. And uh, let's hopefully we can get a little late holiday gift with a win against the Dolphins next week, which we'll talk about on Thursday, and a nice first round bye. Ah, uh, that's all I want for the holidays is a first round bye. Alec, until next time, you have a good one. See you, buddy. Later, man. Later, man.